Hello there, this is Robert Fleming of the Tucson, Arizona elder law firm of Fleming and Curdy PLC. And uh, this is elder law issues. We're going to talk about things that, that uh, come up in our elder law practice. And the we in this case is me and Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman, one of my partners at Fleming and Curdy. We're going to talk today about pets. We, uh, we are very much a pet centric office. Elizabeth, you bring Duncan to the office pretty regularly, and he's a very energetic golden doodle. My corgi, Odin, is here almost every day. Uh, actually, I say almost because I'm a lawyer and it's hard to speak in absolutes, but I can't remember a day when he didn't come to the office with me. And a lot of our clients, Robert, they have pets, all different kinds of pets, horses and parakeets and dogs and cats and reptiles. I mean, it's just amazing the different pets that we we find out that our clients have and you know there's different things we can talk about today that you can certainly do estate planning that relates to some decisions about your pets what happens when you become incapacitated and die uh, what's your pet's future who's going to be caring for your pet but Robert what I wanted to talk to you about today is I wanted to talk to you about those clients of ours who are aging who may not yet be in assisted living or um, a uh, different setting than their own home, but who have pets. And some of these pets, Robert, are enormous dogs or multiple dogs. And that that can actually start to pose challenges to living independently as you age. It can. We have one notable case, and Elizabeth, you'll know exactly who I'm talking about. Uh, we're, we're managing the affairs of a woman who lives at home with her um, very large, very loving dog who who charmingly sits on the couch with his hind legs up and his front legs down. He looks for all the world like he's sitting on the couch. It's an Irish wolfhound, Robert. Uh, and uh, and we are constantly concerned that that he's going to, uh, without any malice, he's going to trip up our client, uh, our our beneficiary. Uh, or or cause her to fall. She's going to turn and and uh, and be caught off balance. She's going to be walking him and be pulled. Or a caretaker is going to have one of those things happen. Or a caretaker is going to trip and fall into the person. Uh, and and these are not imaginary concerns. Some of those have actually happened. And and that's true, Robert. And I think that it becomes harder as you age to also. Um, get a, a an ailing pet back and forth to the doctor for multiple visits to the vet. Um, medication management can be hard enough to take care of for yourself, let alone an aging pet. So I'm a real proponent of folks having a pet as they age. I, I, I love having a dog, and um, one of the things that's actually very important to me at the end of my life is to have a pet with me. But I know that I'm not going to be able to take care of that pet at the very end. And I know that I'm going to need to make sure that I have a living space that can accommodate the pet and at least another set of hands to help make sure that the pet's able to, um, if it's a dog, go out and walk and get to the vet and have um, its normal meals on time. I know a lot of people, Robert, who are aging and they've decided to get smaller dogs because big dogs pose challenges. But I'll tell you, smaller dogs can go and hide, and that's all. <laughs> that's also a problem. So if you're aging and you're thinking about getting a pet, we fully support that. I think it's a great plan. 
just think about exactly what the routine is going to be and what the long-term plans are for that pet. And to the extent that you, uh, in your, let's say your 70s, you accommodate your pet's living arrangements, oh, well, I probably ought to have a bigger house or a bigger apartment, but I can manage to maneuver around my dog or my cat, uh, or my cats, plural. Uh, Remember that in your 90s, that limitation may be may be actually dangerous for your safety and and uh, and so plan accordingly uh, and remember that um, one of the things that often happens is diminished eyesight my 95 year old mother has a big beautiful long-haired black cat who is often underfoot and my mother uh, with her glaucoma and uh, and poor lighting may not even see the the cat and and will trip and and uh, and lose her balance or or uh, cause the cat to yowl and and dart away and be startled and 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 be affected. So there's lots of opportunity for mayhem. I, I totally agree with you, Elizabeth, that uh, that we should try very hard to figure out how to accommodate people's pets. Pets make a huge positive difference in the quality of life for folks who have limited mobility or limited functionality. I would never countenance taking away my mother's cat or the woman that we were talking about, Irish Wolfhound. Those are critically important to the well-being of both of those people. Uh, but, uh, But family members need to be prepared to deal with it. And when you're making plans for your own future, you need to be cognizant of the, the way things will change when you're having a harder time taking care. And I think, Robert, it's terrific. We see more and more assisted living and independent living settings that welcome animals, will welcome pets. Uh, they have folks who you may be able to pay to help walk a dog or take your cat to the vet. So we, I, I certainly appreciate that, and I think we are seeing more and more places offer those options. Of course, they are at a cost. Um, and people need to be thinking now about solutions down the road. So for instance, you know, if you get to that point where you're really not able to provide care for your animal or engage with your animal, would, would, wouldn't you still like to have some visits? So I have a couple of cases right now where we've got caregivers. The caregivers actually adopted the animals, but um, are taking them over to the household on a fairly routine basis so the owner can, can still see the pet. And that seems to be actually working very, very well. And so I think there's lots of opportunities to get creative, but for all of those folks who are headed into their 80s and looking for a new pet, that's terrific. Think ahead a little bit about your planning, and I will also put in, um, (laughs) it's great to have a trained pet. So for those of you who uh, like to go to puppy training classes, Um, You know, you can get people to the house, you can have some help with that, but I will say that makes a huge difference for caregivers who are working with animals if they've got an animal that is somewhat trained. So our bottom line today is planning for your pets is more than just figuring out who will take them over after you've died or can no longer care for them. You also need to do some planning about living with your pet as your ability to function diminishes over time. Uh, and that's something we could help talk with you about and, and, uh, and help point to your family members, uh, help point it out to your family members that it needs to be dealt with as well. But when you're in the family member taking care of an aging parent or other family member, uh, 
don't don't uh, interfere with the pet. <laughs> make make uh, make it possible somehow for for your mother, your father, your aunt, your uncle, your spouse, whoever it is, to to get the rich rewards that come with having pets at hand. Wow, Robert, this is a lot to think about. I'm happy we've got Odin and Duncan to keep us on track. <laughs> we will talk to you all again later. I'm Robert Fleming, and Elizabeth Noble Rawlings Freeman and I have been talking to you uh, in our program, our weekly podcast, Elder Law Issues. We are Fleming and Curdy PLC at Tucson, Arizona Elder Law Firm. We're signing off now because we need to go get some ear rubs and, and belly strokes. So talk with you again next week. Thanks.